Good evening, and welcome to Money Matters. My name is Kim Hatza, and I'm a business attorney at Growth Council in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I represent a variety of companies across industries in business transactions with an emphasis on companies in the life sciences and technology spaces. Tonight, we're continuing our special series on life sciences leaders in the Delaware Valley. Before we get started, I wanna remind our viewers that from time to time, financial issues relating to life sciences matters or companies will be discussed on the show. These discussions are not and should not be viewed as financial advice. Moreover, uh, since the show is pre-recorded and shown at a later time, the information may no longer be current. You should always check with your financial advisor before entering into any financial transactions. I'm happy to have with me as my co-host this evening, Charlie Huntington. Charlie is the head of public relations for Life Sciences PA. Life Sciences PA is the voice of advancement for the life sciences in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Charlie, thanks for co-hosting. Pleasure, Kimmon. Charlie, I'm sure Life Sciences PA has been dealing with the pandemic like the rest of us, uh, probably doing their programs virtually and using mechanisms like we're using right now for the show. Uh, but I, I wanted to talk to you this evening, and I think our guests might, uh, might like hearing about this, about a program that you and our friend Tom Hess have been running now for almost five years, I think. It's the Pharma Transition Group. Uh, and I was wondering whether you might take a minute or two and uh, tell our viewers about that. Absolutely, Kim, and thanks for uh, the chance to do this. So it's going on five years uh, now that Tom Hess and I approached Chris Molino at Life Sciences PA and asked if we might be able to put a group together for senior life science leaders. We define that by their at least director level uh, within pharma, uh, or they could be employed in medical devices, healthcare IT, life sciences, clinical research organizations, those types of industries. And you know, we lose too many of these people to Boston, San Diego, San Francisco, Research Triangle Park. So we said, what could we do to help bring these people together, first of all, help them network in small groups uh, around like-minded people who they may all be looking for a job at a large pharma, uh, but they're looking for different roles within that pharma. So it, it allows senior leaders to get in a room and basically the litmus test is if you can't bring your Rolodex and add to the discussion, then one plus one won't equal three and you may not belong there. So it's not something we typically market. It's, it's sort of like I like to say it's like the Batcave where you'll know where it is if you need to know where it is. Um, but about 375 senior leaders have come through. We share this list of who's come through and what they're their uh, CV or the resume looks like with people who want to be on that list. So viewers can let me know if they'd like to receive that list. After about every six weeks, we do this program through Life Sciences PA, and there'll be 15 to 20 people who will show up each time. That's great. And it's a terrific program. And I know it's been a, a big help to many people who have been displaced at one time or another. Uh, we have a terrific show tonight, Charlie, um, and I'm going to bring our guest out. Before I do, I just want to remind our viewers that 
If you have a question that you would like us to answer on a future show, watch this video to see how you do it. You can have your questions answered on Money Matters. Please go to our website, money-matters-tv.com. On our homepage, click on the banner on the right that says, Send Us Your Questions. While you're on our website, you can find information about our hosts and guests, as well as show notes and links about this show and past shows. Money Matters is also available as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, so you can listen to Money Matters while you're on the go. That website address, again, is money, M-O-N-E-Y, dash matters, M-A-T-T-E-R-S, tv.com. It's my uh, great pleasure to introduce our special guest this evening, Dr. Saif Khalil. Dr. Khalil is the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Aviamed, Inc., a medical device company developing solutions for tendon repair with a current focus on rotator cuff tears. He began his career in the life sciences as a consultant with PA Consulting Group. His clients there included a number of well-known medical device and pharmaceutical companies, including, for example, Cordis Corporation, Johnson & Johnson Consumer Products, Pfizer, Shire, and others. After leaving PA Consulting, he joined Globus Medical, a spinal implant manufacturer where he worked for 11 years in roles of increasing responsibility and authority with his last position being vice president of neuromodulation for the small business unit. Dr. Khalil has over 50 publications and scientific presentations, as well as provisional and pending patents in the US and internationally. He has a BS in mechanical engineering, an MS in materials engineering, and a PhD in mechanical engineering the latter two from Drexel University. Safe, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kimmon, and thank you, Charlie. Appreciate the opportunity. Safe, what first attracted you to a career in the life sciences? Well, it first started um, with, uh, with my interest in science and engineering. I've always gravitated towards those areas and technologies uh, from a very young age. And um, since then, I've been always tinkering with with little gadgets and toys and, and uh, eventually went into engineering school. Um, and uh, finally, in engineering school, I found a, a very interesting subject called biomaterials. And through that exposure, um, I decided to look deeper into it and see how the engineering world works. Uh, and then I just it just kind of snowballed from there where I can see that it's a, there's a great challenge on how you uh, can put um, medical uh, implants or materials in general in the body, uh, since the body is a is a challenging uh, engineering environment in itself, just like space. But in now you have to put something in the body where the temperatures are you know different than ambient temperature outside, and uh, as well as uh, you know the chemicals and other properties. So it's an interesting challenge, and uh, uh, that's that's how I started my career in, in this area. So um, after having spent, you know, 15 or more years as a consultant and, and with a uh, medical device company, why did you decide to start your own medical device company? So um, aside from my engineering uh, interest, um, I've always been interested in how the world works and, uh, um, and how you can make things better. Uh, and, and the only way in just experiencing and just looking at 
different inventions out there. The only way you can really improve life is that if it's affordable, if you can make and if it actually affects people in a positive fashion. Uh, and so this, I realized that engineering really has a, a huge economic side to it. And from that point, you know, I started looking more into um, you know, how you can make something successful by selling it to people, but also making it more affordable. And they're only going to basically purchase it from you if uh, if it's worth it for them. Right. So so I was naturally gravitated towards that 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 area. Uh, and I noticed going just going just going through graduate school is that, um, you know, it's one re- one. Uh, it's one thing reading a book and understanding a subject, but it's a whole different story. Uh, you know, when you actually experience it. And, and so for that reason, um, I decided, you know, before I can start a medical uh, device company um, in engineering, which is my passion, but more importantly, how you can make it something that is reasonable and more affordable and meaningful for society. Um, you know, I decided I, I need to work in industry. I decided that um, uh, there's more to what you can read online or reading books. Um, those are fantastic references. But actually seeing what's happening in the real world, interacting with people from all different walks of life. So I have an engineering background, so I know that's my strength. However, you know, there's a whole side of running a business, as, uh, as many of you, you and your viewers know. Um, it includes sales, marketing, uh, finance, um, HR, um, and many, many more, such as operations. So uh, I decided to go into industry and learn as much as I can. And I did very well in industry. I think uh, you know it was a, it, I worked on some fantastic projects. Uh, but then I decided to, you know, from that experience, learn and start applying it um, to the company that I was trying to develop on the long term. Uh, how would you say your experience as a consultant? And also at a medical, as an executive at a medical device company, help prepare you to start your own company. Well, I I feel fortunate that I was exposed to management consulting. I really, I wasn't really actively looking for a management consulting firm, but um, you you know, I was exposed to it actually from from my uh, through my wife, Uh, and uh, you know, she's she's a scientist. and but she also has a, a great business um, interest. And so so through her, I got to know management consulting uh, and I got I thought it was a great marriage between engineering and also business management. Uh, a lot of my clients not only needed the technical aspect, but they actually needed someone to uh, 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 manage the project. Um, bring strategic insights to the project and for the company as a whole. And that happened at different levels, not only designing a product, but just from a strategic uh, planning uh, perspective also for, for the company. So I, so using that experience, I think was a great benefit to me personally uh, through my entire career, not just to start up a business, but also working in other companies as well, uh, because it gave me uh, you know, a little more um, skills regarding how to interact with people, but also managing people from a, from a, from an early part of my career, uh, and then how to grow a team and and how to how to uh, make sure that everyone has uh, the same mission and and has the same vision and all we're all working towards the same goals basically. So I think consulting was a fantastic experience. I got to work with a lot of executives and I got to see from a early age on how they think and whether and how a company operates from a high level. So I think it, it dramatically it, it helped me 
obviously in my business today. Um, with Globus Medical, um, it, uh, I think the experience was fantastic. Um, I, you know, I, I was reading a lot at the time. I was reading a lot about starting the business, but also understanding more about finance and how the economy works and how the world interacts within itself. Uh, and also a lot about, you know, people, their philosophy, visions, and how do people start companies? Why do they start companies? And I just found a lot of synergies with, with the way I was thinking it and a lot of, you know, other people's thoughts. Uh, so when I worked with, with uh, in, uh, my last position, uh, you know, I decided to join that company and leave uh, management consulting so I can work closer with uh, people of that type of mindset. Um, as well as get ex more exposure to uh, de details about medical device uh, development, research, um, operations. Because one of the, uh, you know, although management consulting was great from uh, from many aspects, as I just mentioned to you, um, you get to work at a high level in a lot of scenarios. So you really don't see some in some you know in some cases you know all the details that go behind the scenes in order to make a product come out the door. Uh, so uh, really, with that last uh, opportunity that I had, uh, I was exposed to all of that, and um, uh, I think you know I provided everything I can to make sure that um, I perform. Formed, but I, while I was performing, you know, I wanted to learn. I actually took a pay cut from my from my last job as a management consultant. I had a great career. They actually uh, uh, offered me a scholarship uh, to to for for MBA program. So uh, at, at uh, Ivy League school, so it was great. Uh, but um, I thought, you know, getting the experience was more valuable, even even through a, a pay cut, because learning to me was really the, the most valuable asset that I can gain over time uh, to help me start this business. Uh, one last question quickly, um, and I like to ask people who make a transition and, and start up a company, what on a day-to-day -day basis, what do you find to be the most challenging aspect of your position running AviaMed? Obviously, there are a lot of uh, challenges, but one of the things that come to mind is um, prioritizing tasks, you know, you can always come up with a lot of tasks that are all very important, but how do you prioritize them? And, and you know, learning the hard way is sometimes you can't get everything done uh, because you have limited resources, uh, especially at the early stage. So you, you have to make those decisions early on. Um, another thought is, um, uh, you know, you know, believing yourself, I found was always very uh, helpful and throughout my career. But that was one thing that I found even more important, especially starting a company, because there's so many challenges. So, um, you know, that in itself is a challenge. You know, so just reminding yourself, why are you doing this? What is the goal? What is the vision? And, and just sticking to it through the whole time. So those are some of the major challenges I, I faced. OK, Charlie. Safe. Would you tell us about Aviumatic? Sure. Um, so. We have a vision um, for excelling life uh, experience. So that's our big goal vision. Um, and But currently we're on a mission. And our mission is basically to improve the quality of patients with rotator cuff tears. So we're really focused in the extremity market, uh, specifically in soft tissue at the shoulder level. Um, that That's where we're focusing on today. Um, the, the company really has a very unique approach uh, to its business. 
Um, obviously, the products we, we um, develop, invent, and provide to our customers uh, have to be at high quality. But what's unique about us is not just the product. We really focus on the process, and I really want to emphasize that. The process is, is very unique in the sense that we really listen to the customers, and uh, we develop IP on the long term based on real needs in the market. Uh, and through that process, that's how we get uh, innovative products that are meaningful, that are also economical. Uh, so that's who Avimed is. And, and why is Avimed in this business? So uh, we're, we're a group of professionals that uh, are from the medical uh, device uh, industry. And, and we see there's a, there's a, there's a lack of um, attention to, to this space. You know, today, in rotator cuff tears, uh, you have about 20% of patients that go through a rotator cuff surgery and repair, come back for another surgery because they have something called a retear. Uh, and that's a huge problem. And uh, we haven't seen any uh, elegant solution yet. Uh, and um, we see that that's a need that the market is calling for. So that's sort of one of the main reasons why we are in this space. There's a, there's a huge need, uh, and we have a great solution for it. So what are your company's areas of focus, Safe? So currently, as I mentioned, we're, we're focusing on, on uh, soft tissue space, uh, specifically in the shoulder. So we're actually migrating not just uh, out, of, out of rotator cuff, uh, within the shoulder. There, there are other uh, pathologies that we're addressing uh, uh, currently. Um, but our long-term vision is that we can, you know, apply our technologies, since it's for soft tissue, not on the shoulder, but also get into other areas uh, in the body, such as uh, foot and ankle, um, uh, hand and wrist, uh, and other parts of the extremity market. Uh, so our our technology is really applicable to many areas, and we actually have a product that has uh, FDA uh, indication uh, for some of those areas right now. So we're already making some headway in that space. Uh, so that, that's where we plan to go on the long term. I just want to go back a question and ask a follow-up. Uh, as you know, I shared with you when we were doing our preliminary interview with you to get ready for the show that our, our viewers may remember that I had a hurry, Hurricane Sandy incident and uh, in 2012 needed uh, rotor, rotator cuff surgery and humerus broken and all the rest of it. You mentioned the 20% of patients that wind up having to go back. Is that because they did not do rehab correctly or is that because hardware has failed or something, something went wrong that the patient couldn't control? Uh, thanks for the question. Well, I'm glad you know. You, you know, you, thank you for sharing that information about you know your your uh, your incident. But uh, you know, I'm glad to see you're doing better. Uh, yes. and, but regarding the you know your question, um, the major issue here is is the healing process is not is not occurring. So it's one thing to apply a medical device to 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 fix the tear. But um, but then you're relying on the body to heal itself. You know, right. when, when you're still relying the tendon to heal back to the bone. And, and so you're relying on biology. You're relying on the implant. Um, so if you have a great implant, that's only part of the solution. Uh, so many, a lot of those patients are coming back. It's not because the implant is necessarily breaking or failing. 
It's because the tissue has been torn for too long. It's not vascularized, meaning that you know you don't have blood supply or, or, or enough blood supply or oxygen and other nutrients to keep the tissue healthy enough in order for it to heal itself. So, so clearly there is another need here uh, that is part of the equation to make sure that the healing process is complete so you can reduce those 20%. And obviously patient compliance uh, and behavior uh, is a factor. So if they, if they're, if they're moving, you know, too aggressively, if they're not going through physical therapies, those could have an effect too. However, you know, we're seeing that most patients are coming back, not because of those factors. The dominant factor is, is the healing process is just not occurring, unfortunately. Great explanation. Thank you. Um, do you have uh, IP, proprietary IP? Yes. Um, so uh, so our, our strategy uh, as a company is to, is to come up with, with products on a pro- progressive manner. And what I mean by that is we're not selling the, the final solution at the moment, but we are selling some implants cur- currently. And that's going to be part of the solution. And the reason I bring that up is because when we have, because we have a, a current uh, implant on the market, we have to make sure that it's a great implant. Uh, one of the other issues we have is we're, we're in an aging population uh, in the uh, all over the world. Uh, so there's every year we see more and more demand for products that work better in uh, low bone uh, quality. So um, we have a pro- our first product. We have a patent on that. That's why I'm bringing that up. We actually have a patent with a unique technology that allows us to stick our implant in a in a much more uh, efficient way uh, into the in the bone. Uh, and then we have other technologies. We have uh, the a product that's addressing the the retail rates that I just we were just talking about. We ha- we have uh, a provisional patent that was filed. Uh, last year, and we're, we're in the process now of filing a full patent on that. Um, but those are not the only two products. We have another product that we're launching actually this year. Uh, we have uh, filed a provision patent for that, and we have one in the works as well. So we do have, again, a, a patent currently, and we have uh, many other that have been uh, filed as a provisional patent or, uh, and are in the process. How, how does FDA approval play into this safe? Well, uh, as, 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 as you know, and, and many of your viewers, you know, to, to get a, a medical device company commercialized and, uh, and legally sell it in the U.S., you have to have something called FDA clearance for, for a medical device. And it depends on the, 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 the you know, the, the classification of the device. I'm not going to get, obviously, too, too detailed into that. But we do need FDA clearance. Our, our products are Class II devices, uh, so we do we do need to show uh, testing and, and show data um, uh, for a lot of aspects. Not only the implant performance, but obviously the the, the, the packaging and the sterilization of our products as well. So, do you anticipate other uses for your technology? And if so, tell tell us about them, please. Absolutely. So, as I mentioned. You know, we're in the shoulder space right now, uh, and through our products and our technologies and patents, we can certainly use them in other areas of the body. So we're being very strategic. We're not trying to spread ourselves out. Uh, shoulder is about half the size of the extremity market. So that's one of the reasons why we're in this space, and, and uh, rotator cuff retailers is a huge, huge problem. But through these technologies, we can certainly 
apply to foot and ankles. We're seeing similar type of pathologies that have similar type of problems. Uh, they may have a little tweak to them, not exact, because just the, the anatomy is a little different. But overall, we can certainly use those technology in different spaces. Um, uh, we're already, we, we, with our current anchor that we have right now, you know, it, it is unique. It has already um, a, a, a patent filed on it. So, uh, you know, we're planning on using that in different parts of the body, such as foot and ankle. That's, that's one of our uh, next steps, as, as well as hand and wrist right now. But you guys tackled the most complex joint in the body first, didn't you? Am I remembering that right? That the shoulder is moves like no other part. That, that you're you got that right. Uh, so okay. obviously, what everyone hears about is hip and knees. There's probably the you know the, the common joints that hear uh, replacements, but uh, the shoulder is actually the most mobile joint in your entire body. The range of motion motion is incredible, uh, and it's uh, it's a very unique joint. So. Um, Yes, it, you know, there, there are a lot of interesting uh, issues and that can occur with the shoulder. Uh, and that's why we're, we're seeing these type of uh, issues that have not been addressed yet. Thanks, Safe. Um, Safe, we're, we're actually running a little short on time, so about maybe a little less than five minutes. Um, I'm going to jump around a little bit. You, you touched on earlier one of the biggest issues with, with, with the current procedures for repairing a shoulder. Uh, that has a rotator cuff injury is the healing process not so much you know you put the hardware in but the body has to heal itself can you compare your product to what's currently being used on the market and 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 how it's more effective if it is or more efficient in helping the body heal itself after it's put in the body if right so so interestingly there there aren't many products on the pro, on the market right now that addresses this problem um, but just to talk about a, a few of them just two of them um, you know one of them really focuses on something called partial tears they're not a full thickness tears uh, so really for a retear um, they're not designed so it, for for that kind of uh, tear which means that the surgeon has to perform a lot of maneuvering it's not easy to use plus the product like is extremely expensive. Actually, I know a lot of surgery centers. I, I you know, I've been around uh, some of them. Uh, they're actually not uh, purchasing the, the, those products because they're very expensive. And some of them are inefficient. Some of them don't have the healing uh, aspect to it either. Um, whereas uh, in our product, you know, we're really focusing on how you can deliver it very efficiently. Uh, in a very unique manner, and it requires very minimum training, and it's affordable at the same time. Okay. Um, we've got about three minutes. I wanted to ask you, what would success look like for AVMED? So a success is really, uh, you know, um, committing uh, and uh, achieving all the promises we have to our customers, um, which means that, you know, they're, they're, they're excelling in life. So everyone's enjoying their life. And so obviously that's through our big vision. And currently, our mission is really on on the on, on just the uh, rotator cuff currently, but we're certainly expanding at the moment. So, uh, you know, when we see that our patients are doing well, uh, we feel that is success. And through that success, we know that brings naturally business success to to our investors as well. So that we we see both go hand in hand. Okay, um, maybe one last question here. Um, what are the biggest barriers to your entry into the um, this this market currently? Oh well, there 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 are many. Uh, I, I would say you know obviously there's the capital side. 
um, you know, um, you know, you, you have a different, every company has a specific a business model. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, finding the right investors that can understand that model is very, uh, is very important. So I'd say that obviously is a barrier and every company has, you know, similar barriers. Uh, another barrier uh, would be, um, you know, just finding uh, the right talent uh, or the right people with the right mindset. You know, uh, you know, people are really the, the, the company's biggest assets, uh, you know, their philosophy, what's what's their goal in life? How does that fit in well with, you know, with the company's goals and vision? Uh, um, so, you know, those are one of the major barriers. Another barrier, obviously, is the patent. We talked about that, you know, to some degree, you know, we have to make sure that we're, um, you know, looking at the, um, uh, the prior art landscape and, and we're not infringing on anyone, but not only that, but can we also uh, create a patent? You know, that's, an, that's another issue. So there's, a, there's, there's the intellectual property uh, barrier. Um, and uh, finally is, you know, finding, uh, you know, the right uh, surgery centers that we can enter in a, in a very quick fashion. So I would say that's another barrier. And, you know, how do you get into that market? And you certainly need to understand, you know, uh, what, what kind of uh, sales force you can build. So, I'm going to cut you off there because we're just about out of time. I think we could do a, another whole show with you right now, but uh, I want to thank our special guest, Dr. Saif Khalil. It was terrific. Charlie, thank you for co-hosting. Uh, the next guest on the show is Charles Snyder, the managing partner of Upland Business Capital. Thanks for watching this evening, and we will see you again next time.